This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Now's the time for scripture reading. Uh, and this morning's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 to 34. Uh, and for those who do not have the Bibles, uh, the passage will be here on screen. And also for those on Zoom. Luke chapter 12, reading from verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grains. And I will say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near, no moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we really pray that as we come to this passage which challenges us about things which are valuable to us, that you help us to have hearts which are truly open to your instruction and that uh, we will let your word uh, have its way in our lives. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there's a man who had a marvelous business career. He amassed great wealth. He sold all the shares in his company. So he had enough income assured for the rest of his life. 
He never had to worry about money again in his life. So he decided to do what many Singaporeans do or aspire to, which was to go into early retirement. So he bought a beautiful bungalow, it's in Tosa overlooking the golf course, and he was organizing this great party with all his best friends. And the next day, he'll be traveling with his wife, first class by SIA, on his round-the-world trip, meeting with a cruise starting in Venice. So he's sitting in the bungalow overlooking the first tee of the golf course. His wife is with the caterers in the kitchen preparing for the party tonight. And he's in the veranda thinking to himself, what a lucky man I am. There he is with his long, cool glass of Heineken. What a lucky man I am. And then, <coughs> and then he drops dead on the veranda. Now that's the gist of today's parable, right? That's the gist of the parable in modern Singapore in the modern retelling. And God asked the question, is this man's life successful? Is this man's life successful? And according to God, his life was a failure, a dismal failure. God says to him, you fool. The Bible's use of the word fool here is to re represent something which is of the greatest tragedy. It's the height of absurdity. It is destined for destruction. And this parable, in a way, is shocking and disturbing and surprising because of its very ordinariness, right? Like what we just uh, heard could be like the hardworking, enterprising CEO who regularly appears in the Business Times. It could be the person who is put up by the CPF board as a model for his financial planning, or even someone who is a widely and my business leader appearing in Tatler magazine. There's nothing in the story which suggests that he's somehow underhanded or immoral. He's not some drug dealer or some uh, con man. But rather, everything about this man seems to be altogether admirable and praiseworthy. So the question is why? Why does God say that this man's life was a failure? That he was a fool? Well, the first reason is that his life consisted only of his possessions so that God and the kingdom of God did not exist. So Jesus begins the parable by saying, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now here we see that we're not told very much about this man and his life or how tall or short he is, big or small. But we notice that in his internal mind, in his conversation with himself, it's full of personal pronouns, right? Four times in the original language, he says, my crops, my grain, my goods. Eight times he says, I will. I will do this, I will tear down my barns, I will store my grain, and I'll say to myself. And so the thing that we are told about this man is that his life is full about himself, me, myself, and I. It's full about possessions, what I'm going to do with my grain, my store, my barns. But what is missing is that there is no place God. There is no place for God's kingdom in his life. And therefore, 
Here is the core of this man's mistake, that there is no place for God or the kingdom of God in his life. Now, we always say that as we read the Bible, context, context, context is the most important thing. And the context here tells us why Jesus presents the parable in this way. Jesus had been preaching last week, we saw, about very, very deep, big, and eternal things. The punchline for last week's uh, lesson or the sermon was when Jesus told about how we are to fear not the one who kills the body, but fear the one who has the power to throw you into hell. Where Jesus talks about being disowned before the angels of God or blaspheming against the Holy Spirit and not being forgiven. But here in the crowd, we see that there is a man who's not really listening. He's not listening. He's not paying attention to these big, big things that Jesus is talking about. But instead, he is like the man in the parable. His mind is filled with things about possession, about himself. And so he wants Jesus to arbitrate between him and his brother. And that's why Jesus says that this man is a fool. Because this man's life is centered and focused around possessions and around himself. There is no awareness of God. He's not listening about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus warns this man, right? Watch out, he said. Watch out, a very strong warning. Be on your guard, he says, against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So what we see here is that this man is a fool because his life is centered around possessions and about the acquisition of more things, and it becomes a dangerous distraction. It displaces God from his life. It takes the place of God in his life. Now, I experienced that before. I remember when I was looking for a house, uh, a flat. I spent all my time on Property Guru. I'm, I'm always trying to find places, visiting places, speaking to my real estate agent. It's like, we you know, sometimes or so, some of you may be looking for a car. And you know, you spend your time thinking about car, reading about your car, visiting the car showroom. What happens is, I found myself distracted. I don't think about God anymore. It's about myself and and what I'm going to do about this flat and this car, about plans, about renovation and things like that. And that's what Jesus is speaking about here, isn't it? That life for myself at the moment becomes about my possessions. And as a result, it distracts me from what is really important, which is the kingdom of God and God in himself. And this is the first mistake that we see of this man. He lived as if life only consisted of his possessions so that God and the kingdom of God did not exist. The second mistake of this man, in verse 19, Then I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid out for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now here, we see the second mistake. 
the mistake was that he believed that his possessions secured the future for him. He believed that he had security through his material possessions and the mass of material possessions that he had for himself. And that's why he says to himself, you have many good things laid up for many years. But the shocking contrast of the parable is when God says to him, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. There's a contrast between his, his illusion that possessions, material security, secures for him many years. But God says to him, this very night, you will, you will pass away, you will die. We're not even talking about 24 hours here in the, in the life of the parable, right? in, the, in the story of the parable, in the narrative of the parable. He's probably saying to himself, you have many things laid up for many years. And that's like he's having breakfast or lunch. And less than 12 hours later, he dies. Now this phrase here, your life will be demanded from you, is actually a very, very important word, demanded from you. It actually comes from terminology of uh, banking or finance, the world of finance or banking. It's when I loan you something, I lend you something, and I require it back. I lend you money, I demand it back. And so the reality is that life itself does not belong to this man. His very life is on loan to him by God. And that night, that night itself, God demands that life back. And so the mistake of this man, which was so, so foolish, was that he never really owned or had possession of his life, his goods, his grain. They were all on loan to him. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we are comes from God. We never really own it. We're merely stewards that receive these things on loan. And God can call it back. And so the way that this man lived was foolish. It was foolish because he thought that his possession secured the future for him and that his life belonged to him. But the reality was that it was not his to begin with. And God required it of him that very night. The last mistake of this man was that he lived and used his possessions in a self-centered, self-indulgent, self-interested, self-directed way. Now this one sentence is full of meaning, right? It's pregnant with meaning. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. The first word that I want to look at is this word anyone, right? Or if you look in the new NIV translation, is whoever. So Jesus here uh, includes all the people, not just this man who is focused on possessions, but all people, including the disciples of Jesus, including the followers of Jesus, they are included. Everyone, anyone, whoever, who stores up things for himself is a fool. Right? Who stores up things and uses it in a self-centered, self-indulgent, self-interested way is a fool. 
This looks directly back at the parable. What was the man's problem in the parable? The man's problem in the parable was a storage problem, right? What shall I do, he says. I have no place to store my crops. I have no place to store my crops. Now, as we look at this parable here, he stores the crops because he wants to store it for himself, for me, myself, and I, to use it for the rest of his life in a self-directed, self-interested way, in an inner-directed use of his possessions. But God says that that is not the wise way of living. God says, instead, we are to be rich towards God. We are to be rich towards God. As we look at this passage here, it's a very important to us, a very important lesson to us to realize that this is not just speaking to the man who asked Jesus to arbitrate in his inheritance issue. This speaks to everyone, anyone, whoever, that it is a foolish thing to store things up for yourself in an inner-directed way, but not be outer-directed and rich towards God. So I remember uh, Joshua Ng, my pastor in Australia as a student. I can remember this um, sermon illustration that he used many years ago about how he used to speak about these uh, Chinese parents in his church, old church in Australia. And these, these uh, Australian-born Chinese or immigrants, they were very, very rich people. They lived in these huge mansions with waterfront views. They had many big cars and they had the finest clothes and food. And they would often uh, be asked to uh, be rich towards God in various ways. And their, their excuse was, oh, you know, I, I can't give any money at the moment because I have to provide for my children's education. And then a few years later, after their children had graduated, they would say, you know, I, I have to provide for my children housing so they buy them a flat. Then a few years later, no, I, I, can't, I can't be rich towards God because I have to provide for my children and they buy them a, a bungalow. And after that, they'll say, oh, I can't provide, be rich towards God because I've got to provide for my grandchildren. So all along, basically, they just use their money in a very self-directed way rather than being rich towards God. But Jesus tells us through this parable as he replies to this man, that it's foolish, right, to live life centered around your possessions, as if life is about the abundance of possessions, because life is much more than that. It's foolish to see our material possessions as security in this world, because our life and our possessions do not belong to us, they belong to God. They are merely on loan to us. And it's foolish to use wealth and possessions in this inner directed way. But instead, the lesson that we are to learn is, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life consists in our relationship with God. Our security is in God himself, and the use of our possessions must be used in an outer-directed way to be rich towards God. Now, the passage then moves on and in the next section, which is on verse 22 to 34, 
the tone of the section changes, right? So again, the context is very important. So in this section, the second section, Jesus is now speaking to his disciples. Therefore, he says, so he links them back to the parable of the rich fool. But he doesn't rebuke them, right? You know, the first, in the first section, he was very strong, right? You know, like, man, he says to the man, who appointed me as arbiter between you and your brother, right? But in this section, the lessons from the first section are applied now to the disciples, right? And they're applied by saying, look, in the first section was the command, watch out, be on your guard against greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In this second section, the command now is not to worry. So he speaks to his disciples now, look, based on what we said, the lesson from the first section, the parable, do not worry, do not be afraid. So what Jesus is speaking about here is not saying, don't plan for retirement or don't save money or just you know, don't, don't think about money or, at all. But what he's saying is, look, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, but rather a relationship with God, they do not have excessive concern, distractive uh, uh, concern and anxiety which focuses on things which are not so important. So do not worry about your life about what you will eat or the body what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes, right? Which is again parallel to verse 15. And so now Jesus turns to his disciples in a very caring way and he teaches them, don't worry. Don't be afraid about these material things, food and clothing. He then uses three, three arguments to, to express and explain why we shouldn't worry about food, about clothes. So the first thing is, he uses the example of ravens. Okay, ravens are very despised birds, like even today, right? I mean, it's not like they're, they're like, you know, parrots or singing birds, you know, they're despised. And God says, look, from the, using an argument from lesser to greater, if God feeds the ravens and they don't have storerooms or barns like the rich man to store their foods, then why worry, right? Because God knows you are more valuable than the ravens. He will feed you. Again, why worry, right? Because God, again, using the lesser to greater argument, clothes the lilies in the field which are here today and gone tomorrow. And so in the ancient world, in the Middle East, when it rains, the lilies have flowers for a day or two, and then they're gone. And so God says, so why worry, right? Because if I clothe these grasses of the field which are here one day and gone tomorrow, then how much more valuable are you? I will clothe you. And the third argument is worry is useless. Now some translations say, you know, uh, one hour to your life or one cubit to your height. Uh, the way I understand it is basically... It sees life as like, you know, a, 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 a distance. Lah. You know, it's like, you know, when you measure how high you are, it's like life is, is also, you know, this is the length of your life, right? Can anyone add one little bit more of your life? And God says, no. Just like the rich man, he couldn't add one more hour to his life, so we cannot add 
one more hour to our life by worry. So why worry? Now, I, 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 I can resonate with this uh, passage because I'm a worrier. If you know me, I, I worry about everything. You tell me not to worry, I feel worried, right? Okay? But worry takes a lot of energy, right? Worry is tiring. And what God is saying here is, look, don't direct your energy on things which are less important, which actually don't make any difference. Because if you worry, you still, you still kind of live one more hour. So direct your energy on something which is much, much more important. And so where should we direct our energy? Instead of worrying, it says there in verse 29 to 30, and do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So instead of wasting energy and anxiety, worrying about eating and drinking and possessions, channel your energy, seek God's kingdom. Right? That's what this, this is all about. The pagan world runs after these things, but we do not set our hearts, we do not worry about these things, we seek God's kingdom instead. Now, this is altogether wiser and more profitable because in verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. See, who are we to God? We are much more valuable than the birds and the lilies in the field because God is our shepherd. We are his sheep. We are the flock. We are the little flock that 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 the shepherd cares for, loves, and looks after. God is our father. We are his children. If we are the flock, if we are his children, of course he will feed us. Of course he will clothe us. But more than that, he is pleased to give you the kingdom. So don't worry about the possessions, the eating and drinking. Seek what is far more valuable, which God wants to give you, which is His kingdom. Now, an easier way of seeing this, I think, is to look at it as a table, right? Uh, which I got you to do for your Bible study, so I hope you did it. But looking at it as a table is much easier to understand like this. Oops. Okay, so this is the table. So this is the non-believing world and the disciples of Jesus. On the left column, we have food, clothes, possessions, and you have the kingdom of God on the right column. Now, the non-believing world, it says there in this passage, they run after, they treasure in their heart, food, clothes, possessions. Right? But the disciples of Jesus, they are told, what are they told? Do not set your heart, do not worry, and do not be afraid about these things, food, clothes, possessions. The non-believing world, they do not seek after, they do not run after the kingdom of God. We can see that in the parable of the rich man. The disciples of Jesus, on the other hand, are instructed very clearly, seek the kingdom of God. Treasure that in your heart. That is what matters in the end. And so we can see that in, in Jesus' words, there is this complete opposite between the way we live as disciples of Jesus and the way the non-believing world lives. 
There's a complete difference in our attitudes and our priorities in terms of food, clothes, and possessions. The non-believing world runs after these things. But we as disciples of Jesus, we do not set our heart on these things. We do not worry and we're not afraid for these things. The non-believing world does not run after the kingdom of God, nor does it seek it. But we are exhorted and commanded to seek and treasure in our hearts the kingdom of God. Now the wonderful thing is that as a disciple of Jesus, we know that God will still give us food and clothes and possessions, even though we do not set our heart or worry or afraid about these things. Even more, God promises us because we are his flock, we are his children. He is pleased, he wants to give us the kingdom of God. Now, it is foolish, right? Because you may run after food, clothes and possessions. You may treasure them greatly in your heart but you may not actually receive them in the very end. But the worst thing is you are the greatest fool because you will not enter into the kingdom of God. So as a disciple of Jesus, do not set your heart or worry of excessive anxiety about food, clothes, or possessions, but rather seek and treasure in your heart the kingdom of God instead. Now, Jesus then ends by saying, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so here in verse 33 to 34, we see a parallel to the end of the parable of the rich man, verse 21. What does it mean to be rich towards God? Well, part of it, obviously, must be to sell our possessions and give to the poor. Now, as we do so, the passage actually tells us that we will have treasure in heaven, right? another way of speaking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus makes very clear with four comparisons, right? four comparatives, why this treasure in heaven is so much more worthwhile than the treasure on earth. First of all, in the treasure in heaven does not wear out. Does not wear out. You know, you can buy the most expensive Belkin or Gucci bags and everything. They wear out after a while, right? The treasure in heaven will not be exhausted. As much as the man stored his grain in these great barns, over time, they will be exhausted. They will run down. No thief will come near and steal your treasure. And no moth will destroy your treasure in heaven. So all the more, Store up, not treasure on earth, but have your heart, it says, focused on the kingdom to come. The heart here represents love, loyalty, priority. Our heart, our love, our loyalty, our priorities must always be in our treasure in heaven, in our eternal heaven. That's where the real treasure is, and that's where the better treasure is. So as we come to the end of today's passage, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Where is your love, your loyalty, your priorities? Right? So again, I, I use Joshua Ng as uh, my, one of my illustrations because I remember him sharing me before. So he does a lot of overseas student work and all the, the students he 
You know, he ministers too, goes back to their home countries in Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia. And so he goes to visit them over the years. And he was telling me about how different graduates respond differently to the allure of greed and possessions. So some of the graduates will constantly only choose jobs which pay the highest, right? They, that's their key criteria to jobs. They don't care how long they work, as long as that's the, they get the most money, right? They don't care how many weeks they travel, as long as they get the most money. And so they sacrifice going to their Bible study groups, to their big church meetings. They never really settle in the congregation because they're always traveling. Whereas he said that there's some other Christians that he meets who graduate from university who choose jobs because they are able to settle into church and, and find community there. Again, he says over time as he meets with all these past graduates that those who, for whom possessions is the treasure of their heart constantly upgrade from house to house, bigger and bigger house to the best areas, and they never find a, a house which is close to church. So they never settle in one place and they never find a good church. Whereas those who treasure is the kingdom of God choose to live where their church Christian community is. Again, he shared about how for some, over time as he sees these graduates, as their income grows, their consumption progresses, their consumption grows. They buy more and more things, more and more expensive things, more and more upgrades. But really, as we hear what Jesus is saying here, as our income grows, it's not just consumption progresses, but generosity grows, right? Generosity progresses. That's what Jesus is saying here. Where is your heart and where is your treasure? So as we come to the end of today's passage, uh, I really like to ask all of us to consider what Jesus says. Watch out against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of abundance and possessions. If your life is full of the focus of me, myself, and I, and material things, if we find our security only in material possessions, if we live only in a self-directed way with our possessions, then God says we are fools. We are fools. Instead, God says to his disciples, the disciples of Jesus, don't worry. God cares. Worry does nothing. But instead, seek the kingdom of God be generous, have treasure in heaven, and put your heart's desire in your treasure in the kingdom to come. Let's bow our heads to go to God. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we really ask that you may help us to really ponder and reflect upon your word. That is so easy. There, there, is, a, there is a naturalness, a normalness to the parable which is really shocking. The air we breathe today is no different from the air that, that the people breathed during Jesus' time, where uh, a life centered on possessions, uh, a life centered on the security found in possessions, a life centered in the inner directed use of possessions is very normal. Dear Father, we pray for ourselves that we will see that there is foolishness in this sort of life, that it is a life unprepared for the life to come. It is a life unprepared for the kingdom of God. 
Dear Father, we pray for ourselves indeed we would be different from the non-believing pagan world. That instead, we will not run after these things. We will not worry about these things because we know that you care for us and you will provide these things for us. And that worry does nothing in this regard. But rather, we will pour our energy into seeking your kingdom, the kingdom of God. That we will seek to be rich towards you, to be generous. And to always have our heart where our treasure is, which is in the kingdom of God. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.